are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to speak tonight on this subject, God's Summary. God's Summary. Brother Colston led us a while ago in reading a few verses from the book of Daniel, chapter 10. The text verse is found in uh, verse 19, where the Lord says about Daniel these words, Greatly beloved. Greatly beloved. <clears throat> there are several people in the Bible whose life is summarized in one sentence by our Lord. I'm going to call to your attention several people. In fact, I have seven listed here and the summary that God gave of them. Let me, let me give you an example. If I said uh, Dr. Billings, how would you summarize Dr. Billings in one phrase or sentence? And no cursing, please. Um, how would you, somebody raise your hand. How would you summarize Dr. Billings in one, uh-huh? Christian education? Well, I don't mean uh, a noun now. I mean sort of a, see, sort of a, uh, a phrase that describes him. Uh-huh. Alive? Yeah, yeah, he's alive. Asleep, but alive. All right. How would you describe him? Busy? All right. And you can use a phrase if you'd like. Agile? All right. Use a phrase if you could, or a sentence. Uh-huh. A what? Many talented man. If Dr. Let's suppose, for example, that Dr. Billings were to go out to the happy hunting grounds, uh, to the heavenly lodge above. And uh, <clears throat> let's suppose that he did. We're having a service here tonight, and you're preaching his funeral. What would you say about him in a phrase? One thing about Dr. Billings, he was a what? Uh-huh. A wonderful Christian man. You know, you folks don't know him like I know him. Uh, nobody's gotten what I'd say yet. Anybody else? What? Dedicated? All right. A silly little man? You're getting warmer. Uh. <laughs> Boy, that knocked you off the Christmas tree, didn't it? <laughs> I guess I'm a silly middle-sized man. Right, sure. Okay. Um, you still don't I'd say either one or two things. I'd say, all right. Dynamic? All right. I'd say a live wire or a ball of fire. That's what I'd say. He's all burned out. And he's a live wire. Everything he has on is charged. And, uh, <coughs> louder. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I hate you. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I would say a live wire or a ball of fire. All right. Let's, let's uh, take with a fist. If you were preaching his funeral service, how would you use Brother Fist, C.W. Fist, was a, and who would like to give me something about that? Nobody has anything to say about you. All right? A great soul winner. That would be a wonderful way to put it. All right, who else? A go-getter soul winner. All right? A very tender-hearted person. All right, what else? Uh -huh. A hard worker. All right. Uh, let's see. 
How about uh, Ed Roush, chairman of our deacon board? What would you say about him? I know what I've said about him a few times. Mr. First Baptist. Uh huh. Your favorite father in law. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. And tell us that everybody's got to be somewhere and everybody's got to have one father in law. All right. Who else? Any intelligent answers? Okay. How about Maxine Jeffries? Maxine Jeffries, who's doing the interpreting back here. How about Maxine Jeffries? What would you say? Uh, Maxine Jeffries is going out in the great beyond and you're preaching her funeral. A ray of sunshine. Very well put. What else? A missionary. What else? What would you say? Maxine Jeffries. Uh-huh. A very efficient person. One who's completely given herself to others. Right. All right. Who else? Okay. Yes, sir. Completely dedicated. Now, did you know the Lord summarizes his people? The Lord looked down one day and said, Daniel, a man greatly beloved. He looked down one day and saw a little ruddy-faced fella, and he said, David, a man after my own heart. Looked down one day and saw Abraham, and he said, Abraham, my friend. And so again and again and again in the, in the Bible, the Lord gives a summary of somebody's life in one sentence or one phrase, in some cases, one word. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for the Lord to give a good summary about you? Did you ever say about anybody, ah, oh, she's a griper? I wonder if that was you. I wonder if they were talking about you. She's a griper. Or he's allowed now. I wonder if they're talking about you. Or, he's a silly little man. I wonder if they're talking about you. Uh, now, let me say this. What good Christian people would say about you is very close to what probably the Lord would say about you. I think if God summarized Dr. Billings tonight, he would say, he's a ball of fire, he's a man on the move, he's a live wire. I think if God wrote a one-sentence summary and said, C.W. Fisk, a great soul winner. Maxine Jeffries, dedicated to the destitute. John Colston, stumble bum. <laughs> he has a pretty new suit on, by the way, and I shouldn't say that about him. He looks real pretty today. But um, now... <laughs> I could have said cute. And, uh, but now, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for the Lord to say something about you, positive? What is the life you're living today? What is the message it bears on its way? Others are waiting. Oh, what does it say? What is your life today? Is it a beacon to guide the way? Is it like sunrise that brings a new day? Does it help others over life's way? What is your life today? God summarizes his people. I want you to notice in the first place, Moses. God looked down one day. Moses, Moses was called the, this, by this title more than any other title. Moses, my servant. Moses, my servant. When Moses died, God said these words, five words. Moses, my servant, is dead. 
That's all it was said. He could have said, Moses, the dynamic leader of the Israelites who led him across the Red Sea, is dead. But he didn't. He could have said, Moses, the great man who took the rod and smote the rock and came and gave water that fed three and a half million Jews, is dead. But he didn't. He could have said, Moses, the courageous man that marched into Pharaoh's office and said, let my people go, is dead. But he didn't. God summarized the life of Moses in five words. Moses, my servant, is dead. That's all. Now, would you like for God to be pleased with you? Then be a servant. You know, everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to run the show. Everybody wants to be in charge. Everybody wants to be the boss. Everybody wants to be the captain. Everybody wants to play pitcher. Everybody wants to be the quarterback. Everybody wants to, to uh, play the pivot. Everybody wants to be the one who's in charge of something. But God said, and by the way, did you know that Moses, no doubt, is the greatest man that ever lived on the face of this earth, apart from Jesus Christ? Moses was the meekest man in all the world. Moses was a, could have been the king of Egypt. Moses was the leader of the most unruly race of people that's ever lived on the face of the earth. Moses had more talent and more ability than anybody I've ever known of on the face of this earth. But God summarized it in saying the greatest thing about him, he's my servant. Now in this matter of servant, the Lord uses the word bond servant. There's a difference in the Bible between a servant and a bond servant. A servant is one who has to serve. Let's suppose that, uh, that uh, Dr. Billings, for example, were, were a slave. And, uh, and, I, and I bought him on a slave market. He was a slave. And he had, to, he had to serve me. I said, Billings, do this. And by the way, well, I'll say this later. But uh, do this. And Billings said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do it. And he did it. But let's suppose that the time I bo I'd bought him for 10 years and 10 long years he had served me as a slave. And his family had grown up and they're my slaves too. And finally, after 10 years, I said, uh, uh, Billings, your time is up now. You're no longer a slave. But suppose that Billings went home and he got, his, got Mrs. Billings and Bill together and he said, now, uh, folks, we go free now. But Mrs. Billings said, well, I don't think I want to go free. I sort of like the preacher. I, I like the idea of serving him. And uh, Bill says, that's the way I feel about it too. I, I just like it at First Baptist and I don't think I want to go. I'd like to stay here and be a slave. <laughs> and Dr. Billings says, that's exactly the way I feel. I'd like to be a slave too. So he comes back and he says, Preacher, we've decided something. What is it, Doc? We've decided that we want to continue as slaves. What? You mean you don't want to go free? No, we don't want to go free. What? You mean you want to stay here and be a slave the rest of your life? That's what we want to do, be a slave the rest of our lives. Why? Well, we like it here, and we think you treat us right, and we have security here, and we like our jobs. And so then he said, I say, Billings, do so and so. He says, okay, but there's a different reason now. What's the reason now? Because he wants to be a slave. And by the way, if, there's a, a, if there is a man in this world, and there are some, but if there is a man in this world who would be that to a preacher, it'd be, it'd be Dr. Robert Billings. I've said it time and time again. These are the words he says. Whatever you say, preacher. Whatever you think is best. Now, we don't always do what I say because uh, I seek his counsel. He's a man of wisdom and advice. But uh, in, the, in the final analysis, preacher, okay, preacher, okay, preacher. Now, I'm saying that that's what God wants us to be. We ought to say, dear God, sure we've been freed from the, from the law. Sure Jesus rose from the dead to bring us triumphant over death and free us from the chains of sin and loose us from the bondage of, the, of Satan. But we're free. Yes, we are free. But we also have the alternative. We can be a bond slave, a bond servant. No, you don't have to quit drinking to die and go to heaven someday. But... but Looks because you're free, but looks like to me that because you are free, 
You ought to want to be the servant of Christ and the slave of Christ. Moses, my servant, is dead. Here's Moses. Many things could have been said about him, but only these words, Moses, my servant, is dead. There's somebody else. Abraham. Abraham. Three times in the Bible, Abraham is called a friend of God. Nobody else in the Bible is ever called a friend of God. Nobody. Now, one time it is said of Moses that he spake to God face to face as a friend. In other words, he spoke like a friend. But um, um, that means when Moses talked to God, he talked to him like friends. Let's suppose, Dr. Billings, I'll use somebody else after a while, but I'll use you now. Let's suppose that the first time we ever met at the airport under the most unusual circumstances, Dr. Billings was coming, and I wanted by all means to meet him at the airport. So I went out to the airport to O'Hare Field. He didn't come in. He was at Midway. And uh, so... Um, I finally got midway, and I said, I'm Jack Hiles, and you? I'm Bob Billings. Well, I'm glad to know you. Man, I'm sure sorry we, I was late. I wouldn't have done this for the world. It's my secretary's fault, my system's fault, I, anybody's fault, but not mine. I'm sure glad to meet you. Glad to have you with us, Doc. The car's out here. Now, did I talk to him as a friend? No. Suppose I met him at the airport now. Hey, Doc, over here! Doc, come on, you crazy guy. Quit loafing. Get with it. Now, you see, I'm talking to him as a friend. <laughs> you ought to hear his enemies talk to him. Thank you. <clears throat> now, uh, Moses talked to God as a friend. Moses didn't come in prayer and say, Thou the great God of Jeroboam and Rehoboam and all the born boys, we come in thy presence in the name of Jehoshaphat and all the fat fellas, and we come into thee in the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God. We come through the throne of grace. We come to the throne of grace, through the veil, into the holy of holies, to the ark of the covenant and the Shekinah glory, and we come to present our petition to thou the great omnipotent God. That's the way folks pray to all over the world today. And I think that's very well they prayed that way because they're not friends. But if you're a friend, you can just... And Moses said, at uh, one time the Lord said, Moses, won't you take the Israelites into the promised land? And Moses said, okay, I'll do it if you'll go with me. And the Lord said, nope, too busy, can't go with you. I've got too much to do. I've got to make the sun rise in the morning and set in the evening. Got to keep... And this is all in the, between the lines. I've got, to, I've got to keep the worlds all in place. I've, I've, got to, I've got too much to do. And Moses said, if you don't go, I don't go. Well, the Lord said, well, look, Moses, do what I'll do. <clears throat> I'll send an angel. And Moses said, I'm not going to go with any angel. I don't know any angel personally, and I'm not going to follow a stranger to the promised land. That's no way to pray. Everybody knows you when you pray. You ought to say, Thou the great God of the, of, of the great God of the universe, the God who... Hey. But uh, Moses said, hey, I don't know the friend. I'm not going to go unless you go. And the Lord said, Well, I'm sending a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to lead you. And Moses said, That won't do. Either you go or I don't go. And the Lord said, well, look, Moses, you led these Israelites out of bondage in Egypt, and you better take them on. He said, I let them out. You're the one that let them out, not me. And the Lord had to go. Now, he spoke, he spoke as a friend, as a friend. I heard Dr. Rice say many times, he said, it's a good thing that, the, that Peter didn't pray like the average preacher does. He said he was walking on the water, and Dr. Rice says, hey, hey, I can see him now. Hey, boy, walking on the water. All of a sudden, looked down, and he began to sink. Now he had to pray. He said, Lord, save me. He said, if that had been the average preacher, he'd have said, thou the great God, Jehovah, in the sky, blub, 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 and he'd have been gone. Now, uh, you see, you see, Moses prayed as a friend. I heard one day, I was, I was, I was uh, in a conference with Dr. Rice, and he is down here. Of course, you know how he is. He looks like Will Rogers. To me, he's a 20th century Will Rogers. And uh, some, some, some theolo theological kind of young preacher walked up and said, Dr. Rice, he said, I have a, a word to say to you of warning. He said, you prayed tonight one time to the Father, 
And then one time you prayed, Dear Jesus, bless the service. And one time you prayed, Dear Holy Spirit, come in power. He said, uh, you're supposed to pray to the Father through the Son. And Dr. Rice said, well, said fellow said, you may have to do that. But he said, if you're in a family as long as I have, you just talk to anybody you want to talk to in the whole family. <laughs> and uh, and uh, did you know that God comes near hearing a simple prayer? Oh, dear God, bless me. And God, give me strength today. And God, help me. Then he does uh, somebody that, that, that counts the deed and says, Holy Mary, Mother of God, bless the thousand women, and so forth. I'm simply saying, Moses prayed as a friend. But Abraham was the only man in the Bible ever called a friend of God. In James 2.23, he's called a friend of God. Second Chronicles 20, 20, verse 7, he's called a friend of God. Isaiah 41, verse 8, he's called a friend of God. Um, Moses, my servant, the Lord said about him. Abraham, my friend. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for the Lord to say, Billings, my friend. Or Perky, my friend. Or Colston, my friend. Or Hiles, my friend. Years ago, I decided to be a friend. Now, I have not always been the kind of friend I ought to be, but I'll tell you what, I've tried to be a friend of my friends. When I heard that L.C. Stewart, and I didn't know L.C. Stewart very well, when I heard Dr. Stewart had been tried and condemned for, uh, and, and convicted of murder and put in a, sentenced to penitentiary 14 years, I called him on the phone. I said, come to First Baptist Hammond. I want our folks to meet you. And I said, what we'll do, we'll, if they, if we, can get, if we can appeal the case and get a new trial. I'll call F. Lee Bailey. And I'll have F. Lee Bailey if we, we can get him. So we called F. Lee Bailey, and he said the fee will be $15,000. And Dr. Stewart said, Dr. Tiles, I don't have any money like that. I said, we'll get the money. I called him on the phone the other day, and, and, he, and he said that the trial's going to come up soon. And I said, okay, we'll get Bailey. I'll be in F. Lee Bailey's office in just a few days. In fact, probably this next week. I'll be in F. Lee Bailey's office. He's already agreed to me that he'll take the case and represent Dr. Stewart. And uh, uh, now why? I'll tell you why. Listen to me. I found one time over in the story of David and Jonathan, listen, that they were knitted together. Knitted. Now, you sew something together, you've got a patch. You knit something together, you've got one garment. And in the Bible, it means woven. Uh, for example, I have a suit uh, that, that uh, I, I caught and ripped it. Let's see, where was it? It was the coat, I think, about right here. I caught and ripped it. And I ripped it in a little, little uh, L shape, about an inch down, an inch across. And I took it to the uh, uh, cleaners and I said, do you know anybody that can reweave this? And so they rewove it. Now, if I gave you that suit, you couldn't tell where it was rewoven. You couldn't. It's a part of the suit. No patch. And when the Lord said that, Mo, that Jonathan and David were knit together, it means they were woven together. And so I decided that if friends are woven together, knitted together, that means that if you're his friend, and I think you are, you're one. That means he can't have a problem without you having a problem. Why? Because you're knit together. And I decided years ago that if I had a friend, if he had a problem, I had a problem. If he needed a dollar and I had a dollar, he had a, he had a dollar as well as I did. And I decided years ago, if my friend's in trouble, I'm going to help him out. And, uh, but, I, but, but to think, the Lord said, Abraham, my friend, you know, God's been so good to me. I have so many people who love me. A lot of folks hate me, but I think one reason that, that a lot of folks love me is because a lot of folks hate me. Yesterday I was sitting at the house, and the phone rang, and I said, hello. And a fellow said, Dr. Jack Hiles? I said, this is he. He said, I pastor a church in Alabama. I forget the, the name of the town. He said, you don't know me, but I love you. I, I've been to your pastor school. You've changed my life. I'm a Southern Baptist preacher. 
And I, uh, I was reading your books today, and he said, I was thanking God for you and loving you. And I just wanted to call you and tell you I love you and thank God for you. And I thought, isn't God sweet to remind people to do that? Isn't it wonderful to have people who love us and people who have friends? <laughs> the other day, a little kid in grade school, I mean about that high, he heard a guy criticize me at school. You know what he did? <laughs> he blooded his nose. Yeah, he did. Now, I don't think you ought to do it, but <laughs> I've been crying ever since. You know, he did. He blood I mean, he just hauled off and let him have it. Now, I don't think, little fella, if you're here tonight, I don't think you should have done it. But if you ever are going to punch anybody's nose, you couldn't find a better reason. And uh, now, what am I saying? I'm saying, now, I don't, I don't want that, that, I don't want a fella to, hit, to hit, hit his buddy in the nose because he criticized the preacher. I mean, up beside the head would be a lot better. But, uh, but, uh, but I do thank God for that kind of friendship. This fella in Cincinnati, Ohio, got Dr. John Rice's book on what's wrong with the movies. And he got all incensed about the communism in Hollywood and the sex in Hollywood. And uh, he got mad. He went down to the local theater and he said, uh, look, I want to show you a book. He said, look what movies are doing. The sex and the nudity and the lewdness and the communistic uh, infiltration of Hollywood. Look what they're doing. And, 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 he said, and he said, I'm sure when you read this, Mr. Movie Manager, you'll want to close the place. He looked at it and said, Man, no, it's the way I make my living. And the fellow said, uh, I know, but said, look, you're ruining lives. You're ruining morals. And the fellow said, I don't think so. And so the fellow said, close up the place. He said, no, I'm not going to close it up. And so this fellow went home and he got a hand axe. And he came back up and walked up into the, into the projector room where the projector was and chopped the projector into pieces right in the middle of a movie. That makes me want to cry. <laughs> but anyway, right in the middle of the movie and chopped it all up. And uh, last we heard, he had two years left from his penitentiary sentence. And uh, now what am I, I'm saying that, that, okay, he didn't use the right method, but he was a friend. He was a friend of God. And let me say this. I, I've said this so often. I know I'm not the most popular man in Hammond. In fact, I may be the most unpopular. And I know a lot of folks don't like me, but I tell you one thing. If you've been in this church for 12, 13 years, you know one thing. I've stood for Jesus since I've been here. I've stood for him. I've never, anybody that's ever said he's not virgin born, I said he is. You're alive. Anybody who ever said he was not the son of God, I said he is the son of God. And I've preached. How many times have you heard me say, it's not the church. It's not baptism. It's Jesus. I want to be his friend. I'll be a friend of him who died for me. Abraham, my friend. But then there's another one, a summary. Um, how do you summarize the life of Moses? Moses, my servant. Abraham, Abraham, my friend. You could be a servant of God if you had volunteered to serve him and be his bond slave. You could be a friend of God. If you'd stand up for Christ, and, and as Abraham did, uh, not turn on him. But the Daniel. The Lord said about Daniel, and it's a great thing to say about Daniel. Greatly beloved. Greatly beloved or beloved. Daniel. Oh, boy, what a man. What a man. Daniel. What a, what a man. He, he prayed with the window open. And they said, if you keep praying with the window open, you're going to be placed in the lion's den. And Daniel prayed with the window open. Courageous. And the Lord said, Daniel, my beloved. Daniel, greatly beloved. Daniel, who wouldn't defile himself with the king's meat. Daniel, a slave kid, working his way toward the top, who wouldn't drink liquor at the Christmas party because he wanted to keep his body clean and dedicated to God. Daniel, who said, I'll pray as I've always prayed and take my stand for God. You know, I was thinking, kids, at the high school game the other night, the folks who came over to play us, in the, I, have, I have more respect for a public school than I do a Christian school that acts like that. 
more respect for a public school. I have more respect for a, for a heathen that calls himself a heathen than a Christian that acts like a heathen. And, uh, and the school, those girls came almost, almost with just underwear on. And they had been warned by Dr. Billings. The principal had been called and warned that you have to wear modest clothing if you come to our gym. And they came almost in modest, in, 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 in underwear. So, I mean, the skirts just barely covered. Well, they, in all, every case, they didn't cover their underwear. And uh, so, uh, and then we, we told them, we tried to be nice to them. In fact, Dr. Billings and I got together before the halftime. We decided to make all the girls remain seated with co coats over their knees and over their legs. And we decided to buy them at our expense, and we did, uh, free refreshments so they wouldn't have to go buy their refreshments. We paid for it. They're our guests. We paid for it. And I went and talked to the girls during the halftime and told them I was responsible. I said, I'm the fanatic. I'm the one. But I said, I'm sure you're fine girls. I want you to know you're welcome. I'm sorry that the rules were not laid out. But you know, some of the, some of the heathen ways, the dirty things that were said and so forth, I went outside and I, I wept a bit. And I said, thank God for our kids. Thank God for our kids. Oh, let me tell you, let the whole world go to hell. But let us hold up the banner of decency and principles and morality. Let the whole world go to communism. But let us hold forth the liberty that's in Christ Jesus. Let the whole world go to the dope traffic. But let there be one place where there's yet integrity and honor and principle and etiquette and grace and charm and courtesy and proper manners at the game of the night. Some of our people were saying, Come on, Ralph, get with it! I said, God, strike them dumb like you did Zacharias. You don't have to blame the referee because you lose. By the way, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> Anything, one thing, brother, if you lose, lose like a man. If our team's not winning, take it! Don't stand up there. You parents, stand up there. Come on, Ralph! Quit cheating! Isn't that a wonderful example? You know, a lot of you parents, we wouldn't take you into high school, you wouldn't qualify. You'd get some in a demerits. Listen, it'd take a tennis racket to paddle you. <laughs> you can take that any way you want to. <laughs> Daniel, greatly beloved. How'd Daniel get greatly beloved? Compromising? No, Daniel got greatly beloved because he stood alone. He stood and said, I'll not defile my body. By the way, if you want to just know something, what he really said, he said, I'll eat health foods. In the Greek it says, I'll eat seven grain bread only. Well, not quite like that. But if you'll be careful, he did say, I'll not defile myself with the king's meat. There was something the king served, not liquor, alone. There was something he served, some kind of food he served. That was too spicy. It's not good, not proper. And Daniel said, I'll what? I'll feed on pulse. And what's pulse? Vegetables. Vegetables. How do, you, how do you become greatly beloved? Stand alone. Moses, my servant. Abraham, my friend. Daniel, my greatly beloved. But there's somebody else in the Bible. That somebody is David. God looked down and saw Moses and he said, and I'm going to summarize Moses. Moses, my servant. Looked down and saw Abraham. And he said, I'm going to give a summary of Abraham. Abraham, my friend. I'm going to give a summary of Daniel. Daniel, greatly beloved. Now I'm going to give a summary of David. And the Lord said, he's a man after my own heart. Did you ever meet anybody? And, and when you first met him, you said, that's my kind of guy. That's my kind of guy. Boy, 
person I saw him, I liked him. I've seen fellows like that. I'm thinking about a fellow now, a pastor out down in Kentucky. The first time I ever saw him, I said to myself, that's my kind of guy. In fact, I told him, I said, if I ever die, I want you to pastor First Baptist Church in Hammond. I'm not going to tell you who he is. You might try to get him before I die. But uh, I, uh, I said, I'd like for you to pastor First Baptist Church in Hammond if I, if, I, if I die before you do. Because there's something about it. Now, I just like the guy. There's something. And the Lord said, <laughs> David, man after my own heart. He looked down and saw that little ruddy-faced fellow, least likely fellow of all the sons of Jesse. Samuel came one day to anoint a king, and he brought his uh, anointer, whatever anointers are. He brought his uh, little vial out there, and he said, I'm going to anoint one of your sons as king. And so uh, the, Jesse said, okay, boys, line up here. One of you is going to be the king. And Samuel, uh, Jesse said, Samuel, uh, said, uh, here's the best-looking boy. He's proud of this one. Handsomest kid of God. Elected the most handsome fellow in the senior class. And... Uh, uh, and, and, and is this the one? And Samuel said, no. He said, that's not the one. Well, he said, the next one, he's a valedictorian. He, he had a 3.8 average in the graduating class. This is all in the Hebrew, by the way. You have to check carefully, visual language. And, uh, and he said, uh, is, it, is it this one? Smartest kid I got. And he said, no, it's not that one. He said, that's not the one. Well, he said, how about this one? He said, this fella is, is named Vic Tanny. Look at those muscles on him. This fellow owns 14 health clubs. He was elected Mr. Israel of 1,000 B.C. And he said, he said, is that the one? He said, no, no, not the one. Well, he said, the next one's a businessman. He said, he's, he's a shrewd operator. Is that the, and he finished all the fellows. And Samuel said, uh, do you ha uh, Je Jesse, Samuel said, Jesse, have any more children, more sons? <laughs> no, it's all. Not he said, well, it's one of them. Do you have any more? Oh, he said, I forgot one of them. Little old ruddy-faced David's down there taking care of the sheep. <laughs> yeah, little David. That's right. And, and Samuel said, let me go see him. He said, it wouldn't do any good. Well, bring him on up. No, it wouldn't do any good. He's not the one. But he said, I want to see him. Went down there in the, in the, in the side of the creek in, in the woods, uh, close to the hollow, and, uh, and brought little old David, David up. And Samuel said, that's the one. And, and Jesse said, good night in the morning. That's also in the original language. Good night in the morning. You mean little old David? And the Lord looked down and he said, yeah, little old David. I saw David kill a lion with his bare hands. I saw him kill a bear with his bare hands. And little David is the one who came and took the slingshot and hurled the stone toward the temple of the giant's head and fell the giant Goliath and won the war single-handedly. And the Lord said, that's a man after my own heart. A man after my heart own heart wonder why David was the was the best mixture and the rarest mixture of courage and tenderness you'll find I think in all the Bible that same fellow who said I'll have your head you big blubber mouth giant I'll have your head on my wall in the den that same fellow wrote the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures that same David, the king of Israel, who marshaled his forces and became the most powerful leader of the army Israel ever had. So powerful until when our Lord speaks about his reigning in Jerusalem someday, he says he's going to sit on David's throne. That same fellow wrote, When I consider the, the works of thy fingers, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. 
who is set thy glory above the heavens, rather the mouths of babes and sucklings, as thou ordained strength because thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the, the, the moon and the stars, the works of thy hands, what is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lord and the angels, thou hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over all the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. That same great general of the army wrote those tender words. That same great, mighty, powerful David wrote one day, a thousand shall, uh, uh, shall fall at thy right hand, ten, at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, yet it shall not come, come, come nigh unto thee. That same David wrote, um, he shall cover thee with his wings, and under uh, feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Why was David a man to God's own heart? I think I know why. I preached this morning on the body of Christ being one, being one. David had learned the, 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 the secret of not retaliating. Don't you recall the story when David, son Absalom, had, had rebelled, rebelled against his father? Absalom stood at the outside of the palace gate and he said, if I were the king, I would judge better than my father does. Big, good-looking, broad-shouldered fellow with long, beautiful hair. Absalom, a good-looking guy's countenance fair. Absalom said, if I were the king, I'd beat my father. I'd give you a good deal. You'd get a better shake if I were king. He gathered him an army up, fought against his father, and took over the throne away from his own dad. And David didn't want to fight Absalom. He wouldn't want to kill his own son, fight his own boy. David gathered up his little crowd and went out, out of the city, the darkest day in his life. And as David's little crowd went out, out of the city, David said, David said, go back now. Go back. Don't go with me. They said, no, we're going to go with you. You're our king. And Ittai said, whether it be by life or by death, we will stand by our Lord, the servant. And uh, so as they went out, a little fellow named Shimei came out. And he said, hey, David, look here. He got some dust and threw it in David's face. And David had to, had to wipe his eyes. The dust was all in his face. He reached down, he got some stones and started throwing stones at David, hurling stones at him. And no doubt David began to bleed and knots swelled up on his head. And one of David's servants said, Let me get my sword and draw my sword from its sheath and cut his head off. And David said, No. No, don't do that. David said, Let him go ahead. Maybe I need the lesson. Maybe he's sent as a messenger from the Lord to buffet me. Isn't that a wonderful spirit? You know what you would have done? I would have done what we would have done. We would have cut his head off. That's what Peter tried to do. Remember call? When, when Jesus was being was captured with the soldiers, remember that? Peter took his sword and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. You think he aimed for the ear? You think Peter said, one more word out of you and I'll cut off your ear. You think he aimed for the ear? Well, of course not. Peter took his sword to cut his head off and the guy ducked and he just got his ear. Peter did that, but not David, not David. David wouldn't fight back. David said, no, don't touch him. He's wrong, but he's wronged you. I know he's wronged you, but I'll not fight back. But he's trying to kill you. I don't care. I don't care what he did. Retaliation and vengeance and bitterness and hurt feelings is never, never coming to a child of God. I don't care who you are. It'll eat you up. Really, it will. It'll eat you up. You can, you can hide behind it. You can build a veneer over it. And you can say that it's his fault. And it's not your fault. And he did, it, he did it. And he's hurt you. But it's not becoming to a child of God. Vindication is as carnal, more carnal than drinking liquor. Retaliation and bitterness is more carnal than smoking marijuana. David 
after my own heart, said the Lord. I wonder if maybe one time, if, if, if God didn't say that because of what David did to Saul. King Saul, you recall the story of King Saul? King Saul was king when big Goliath, the big loud mouth, said, Send one of your men over here and fight against me, and whoever wins, wins the battle for his own country. Don't you recall? Saul should have gone. Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. But he wouldn't go. Little David came up to bring, bring some lunches to his brothers. And, and David said, who's that loud mouth over there? And Saul said, that's Goliath. He's, he's nine feet, nine inches tall. <laughs> and David said, bigger they come, the harder they fall. We didn't find that out last Friday night, did we? But anyway, he said, the bigger they come, the harder they fall. And, uh, and Saul said, well, here, use my armor. And David killed him. Well, they, they started the songwriters. The Beatles had some songs in those days. And the, the songwriters began to write some songs. And so Saul one day was sitting and the window was open and he heard the ladies outside singing, Saul has slain his thousands. Not quite that well, but they sang. And, uh, and Saul said, oh, I like that first stanza. That is so pretty. Boy, I like that. But then the next stanza he didn't like. It said, David has slain his tens of thousands. And Saul said, that little ruddy-faced guy is going to, little red-headed guy is going to take my throne. I'll kill him. And so Saul one day found David and, and hurled a javelin. And David ducked and he went in the wall. And again he got him and he hurled a spear. And David was spared. But one day David was asleep in the cave. And, he, and Saul didn't know David was in the cave. And Saul went to sleep out the front of the cave. David woke up the next morning and his men. And he went out. And somebody said, guess who's sleeping? Saul's trying to kill you, David. He's sound asleep. Now's the time to get that guy, boy. You can stick your sword right through his gizzard. And, uh, and so uh, Saul uh, asleep there, and David came out, and David drew his sword. And somebody said, David, he's going to kill you. You're going to get him back? No, not going to do it. David cut the edge off his skirt. Saul was the only mini-skirted king that ever lived. And he cut the edge off his skirt. And, uh, and David, and they said, why don't you kill him? And David said, no, I'm not going to kill him. He's the Lord's anointed. God's hand is upon Saul. I'm not going to lift up my hand against God's anointed. No, he's not perfect. No, he's trying to kill me. Let me ask you a question. Anybody, did anybody here ever have anyone throw a spear at you, and if you hadn't a duck, they'd have killed you? Anybody ever have that happen? Anybody here, anybody ever have somebody shoot you, and you've had a duck, they'd have shot you in the head? Anybody ever had that happen? I see then it looks like that nobody here had any more reason to be mad at somebody than David did and mad at Saul, right? But David was a man after God's own heart. The other people in the Bible, there's um, Job. God looked down one day and said, Job is perfect and upright. That means mature and walk straight. That's how he summed up Job. Uh, I don't have time to go into all of them. There was the widow. A little widow gave everything she had. Jesus was sitting one day, standing one day beside the the, the treasury and a fellow walked in gave a thousand somebody gave ten thousand one little widow walked in and she reached in her purse maybe and she pulled out a couple of pennies less than a couple of pennies and she dropped them in they made so much noise when they hit the bottom of that uh, offering plate that the noise has been heard around the world ever since and our Lord bragged on her said she's given the most of all that was a summary she gave the most of all gave more than the millionaires yes gave more than the rich people yes i tell you a story Little widows can, can sometimes give more, more than anybody. I was out in Weatherford, Texas. You know where Weatherford? Nobody here from Texas. You know where Weatherford, Texas is? It's between, it, it's, it's past Fort Worth. You, Dallas, then to Fort Worth, and about 30 miles past Fort Worth is a town called Weatherford, Texas. It's a huge metropolis of about 10,000 people. And uh, 
I went out one Sunday afternoon to ordain a fellow named Leonard Jackson, one of my preacher boys. And Jim Lyons and I went, ate fried chicken on the way. And uh, so went out and we got there and I just got in time for the service. It was about an 80 mile drive and I drove quickly and I got there, went up. When I stood to, stood to speak, right over here in this section, there were about 15 of the prettiest ladies you ever saw. Now, I tell you what, I look for pretty ladies whenever I speak. I always scan the crowd, look for beauty, beautiful ladies. These ladies, the youngest was 85, and that's the kind I scan the crowd to find. And they were my radio listeners, and prettiest things you ever saw in your life. I want you to know, and when, when I walked out on the platform, service already started, and they began to punch each other. That's him. That's him. One said, I thought he'd be bigger. One said, I didn't hear, but I know she said it. I thought he'd have more hair. And I, I know she said it. But anyway, um, and boy, those ladies, they, they were my radio listeners. Now, they had never seen me, and they had gotten together in a couple of cars, two or three cars, and gotten carpools up, and had come to hear the radio preacher. And they sat out there, and one of them was in her 90s. She was a widow of a preacher. And uh, so I got to talking about the old days, and I said, Remember the old days when you used to go to church and the people would get happy in the Lord? And you didn't get paid much money. The preacher didn't. But when the service was over, maybe they'd give him some turnip greens, that soul food, and, uh, and turnip greens and, and some butter and milk and a dozen eggs and, and a squash and okra and green beans and black-eyed peas. And I talked, and this lady remembered all the years of her husband preaching, and she got happy, and her eyes began to roll. And... Uh, and I thought she was about to shout, and she almost did. She just got in that little lope talking about like she's going to shout, and she raised her hands up like. Now I, I've never shouted, and I've never, I, but I've seen people shout, and I can tell you whether it's real or not. If the eyes don't roll, tell them to shut up. Real shouting, the eyes always roll. And so her eyes began to roll. She and then she <coughs> and uh, she got a hold of herself. So I thought I'd circle the field again, see if I could make her. Uh, so I talked about the black-eyed peas and the turnip greens, and her eyes began to roll. I talked about the butter and the eggs, and her eyes began to roll, and her hands went up. <coughs> then she got a control of herself. Well, I thought I'd circle the field, had a little gasoline left, and I thought I'd circle the field again. And uh, she never shouted, but she almost did several times. Service ended. I said, now, folks, I've got to leave. I can't stay to shake your hands. I have just enough time to get back to Garland, Texas, in my church. I've just got to go out the back door here, uh, and, and, and I've got to leave. And so you'll forgive me during the closing prayer. So I, I, bump, uh, I put the Bible briefcase, put my notes in my briefcase, and, and Jim Lyons, I said, Jim, come on. And they're praying, and Jim and I, uh, while they're praying, I bundled up a briefcase, and we stuck, took out toward the back door. When we got out there, somebody else had some ideas. Those little 15 ladies, 85 and up, had joined hands around the door. One of them had gotten her hand right here on this side of the door, and they formed a circle. And the other had gotten her hand right here. And as I walked out, no way to escape in all the world. They had a circle, and, and one of them said, You're not going to get away from us. We heard you on the radio, and we've driven a long ways just to get here to hear you preach and see you and shake your hand. And we're going to get you to sign our Bibles, and we're going to shake your hand before you leave, Mr. Hiles. And I, I tried so hard to get loose, but I couldn't get loose. And uh, I didn't want too much. And I, signed, and I kissed them all. I kissed ladies now under 7 and over 70. Up until a few days ago, it was over 60. But uh, as I said, but anyway, I, uh, I kissed them all on the cheek. And so one lady, Jet, remember when you used to carry your money in a, in a handkerchief? Remember? I got the next year I keep in case I cry. And uh, remember, you used to put the money in like this and you'd tie it up in the corner. Huh? Remember, mother, remember that? You'd send me to school with that. How do you remember that? Huh? Yeah. And so 
One lady, she got her, and she, and she untied that knot. She couldn't do it. She did it like that. And she handed me a dollar bill. And she said, this is for the radio broadcast. She said, I brought it just for you and your broadcast. And I said, thank you. And I kissed her on the cheek. And another little lady, she said, uh, she got, remember those old purses? Used about that long and fold up and snap at the top. Huh? You put your hand about two feet down in them. And uh, she got it first. And you know how you used to do it? Look at it. And she took her hand way down in there. And she pulled out a dollar. And she said, I got a dollar too. Said, just for the broadcast. And I kissed her on the cheek and said, thank you. Fourteen of those 15 ladies gave me a dollar. And over in the corner of the circle, can you have a corner of a circle? Over in the corner of a circle, there was a little lady. She wasn't, she wasn't plump. She was fat. She was about 95, <coughs> over 90. And uh, she was over sort of at the edge, and she was crying. And I said, Mama, what's wrong with you? She must have weighed 300. And uh, I said, what's wrong with you, Mama? And she said, I ain't got no dollar. But she said, I like you as much as they did. Fact, ain't nobody here likes you no more than I do. They ain't got no dollar. And I said, Mama, if you'll pray for me, I'd rather have you praying for me than to have a $1,000 check. By the way, if anybody's got a $1,000 check here tonight, I'd rather have both. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I said, uh, I'd rather have you praying for me than to have a front page ad in the Dallas Morning News. And she said, as tears rolled down her cheeks and fell on her dress, she, on her stomach, she said, she said, of the house I like as much as they do. I wish I had a dollar. I know what I'm going to do. I've got a quilt at home. I've been quilted. Remember the old days? Remember those old quilts? You know, the thing hanging around the room, uh, rim around the room, and you came in, you know, <laughs> at night, if the light was off, mother be quilting the quilt. I'd come out, you know, and uh, you had to walk around the room like this, or walk under like she said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to quilt. I'll finish. I'm going to quit. Finish that quilt. I'm going to work day and night and finish that quilt, and then I'll send you a dollar. In two days, I got a letter written in the quivering handwriting. Andrea, you get many of them from dear old saints of God who support our radio, radio preachers. And I opened the letter, and it said, Dear Brother Hiles, I'm the little, little old fat lady that didn't have no dollar Sunday afternoon. She said, I worked all night, Sunday night, and finished the quilt. She said, In clothes, you'll find $2 for the radio broadcast. And then she had a P.S. on it that said, P.S., didn't none of them give you that much, did they? <laughs> you know, if you give all, the dear Lord sums it up and says she gave the greatest of all. Abraham, my friend, I want to be a friend of God. Moses, my servant, I want to be a servant of God. Daniel, greatly beloved, I want God to be loved, call me his beloved. Job, perfect and upright, I want God to think I'm upright and mature. David, man after God's own heart. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I don't think I'll go any further. What does God think about you? Huh? What does God think about you? I often think that day when, when um, would you mind being the devil? You are a ball of fire. <laughs> if that's where you got it. But, uh, uh, one day, the Lord looked down. Let's let, uh, let's let old Bob Fleepack there be, Job. And one day, the Lord and the devil were talking. And uh, the Lord said, uh, Satan, have you considered my servant, Job? Yes, I've been going back and forth around the world, but uh, you have a hedge around that fellow. Uh, well, actually, uh, my servant, he's a perfect and upright man. I want you to consider him. Look at him. Uh, now, uh, suppose that were you. Huh? 
Here's what the Lord says about you. Uh, let's, just, let's just take uh, uh, Mr. Burnside. This is not true about you, but let's let you just represent. Uh, your name is Joe Blow. And uh, so the, the Lord says, uh, Satan, have you considered any of my people? Yeah, Joe Blow. No, 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 consider him. Don't consider him. Uh, don't, don't. Uh, have you considered any of my people? Cleefax? No, 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 no. Don't look. And does the Lord say that about you? Thank you. Does the Lord say that about you? Said, I hope the Lord says, Devil, there's one fellow, one preacher down there. Boy, depend on him. <laughs> it's old Hiles. Or I wonder if he says, the devil says, Hey, God, how's Hiles doing? And the Lord says, Well, let's don't talk about him. Let's talk about somebody else. What does God think about you? When they talk about you in heaven, and they do, do they say, does he say, Abraham, my gossip, or Susie, my tail bearer? Oh, me, I hope nobody here named Susie. Um, what does the Lord say about you? I hope he says, my friend. You know, I think about you a lot. Mrs. Um, Bordway, she'll vouch for this. Where is she? She's home with the children. Uh, but she'll vouch for this. She types my letters. She'll vouch for the fact that I, when I'm on airplanes, I think about people. And sometimes I'll dictate little notes to people I'm thinking about. As I fly across the country, I'll be flying tomorrow to Memphis, Tennessee, and on Little Rock, Arkansas, where I preach tomorrow night. And I'll be thinking about our people. And I'll, I'll think about some of you. You know what I do when I think about some of you? I say, I wish they'd do better for God. Dear Lord, bless that man. He doesn't come back home Wednesday night. Lord, he's not faithful. Lord, bless that man. I think about some of you young people, and I say, dear God, don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Dear God, keep that young girl what she ought to be. Don't let her do anything wrong. And I think about, ah, but I think about somebody, some of you. <laughs> the other day I was... I was uh, flying across the country. I thought about Aunt Lou. Aunt Lou. I got thinking about her. Sends me $5 every month. She's 80, 85, 86, 87. How old are you, Aunt Lou? She's sick. She's home with the children. <coughs> but anyway, um, Aunt Lou, nearing 90, nearing 90. And I got thinking about her. And, I, and, and oh, my thoughts were sweet. And I thought about encouragement. She writes me little letters and says, Pastor, you're the greatest pastor in all the world. And my heart only had good things to say. Our Lord in heaven is so more like we than we think he is. He thinks about you. One day the Lord in heaven was thinking about Moses. And he said, <laughs> Moses, <laughs> my servant, my servant. Then he's thinking about Abraham one day. <laughs> Abraham, he's my friend. He's my friend. Then he's thinking about David. David, ah, oh, there's a man after my own heart. Job, <laughs> Satan, if you consider Job, he's a perfect and upright man. Daniel, oh, bless Daniel, greatly beloved. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust. <laughs>